This is a great Sunday in Life Church because we get to uh, focus on something that is outside of ourselves. That's always helpful, I think, when we can look beyond ourselves and see what God is doing all around us. Let me just, just kind of set this morning up for you, and then we're going to let Mike and his, and his wife come and, and share their hearts with you. Um, you know that there are many things that we have done over the years, and David and I sit in the office sometimes, and we, we reflect on the things that we have done, uh, but that does a strange thing to the two of us. It just makes us want more and more to do something else in the future. Like we, it's never enough. Uh, and we've had people say that. Hey, you two, there's, it's never enough for you. You, like, you just want us to do more and more and more. You just never stop. You're right. We don't. Uh, we make no apologies about that. That's, that's how we are. That's who we are. And that's what Life Church is all about. Life Church is about doing ministry, being on mission, going hard after God. And that is just our DNA. That's our flavor. Um, but we did a, a great work in Swaziland with World Vision, and we brought water to a community. And that was a, a great sort of like unifier for us as a church, and it really moved us in mission. It was a great project. Uh, a lot of you over a period of time uh, sponsored some kids through World Vision and, and through Compassion and others. Um, and that's, that's been a good thing for us to do along the way. Um, we sort of like, like sort of kind of diminished in what we were doing globally for a, a season. And so David and I have been thinking and praying and asking God to help us to understand what might we do? Like how might we get more involved on a global level now? Like we really want to do something more again. And kind of looking for a project, kind of thinking about a project, uh, hoping for a project, uh, all that kind of stuff, wondering what, what would God have for us to do. Um, and then this is where it gets really good. I, I, was, I actually got a notice from a friend, um, and, and he, said, he said, hey, this is a crew event, uh, it's a luncheon, maybe you ought to come to this. And I was like, nah, I don't really have time to do that, but I'll take the card anyway, and I set it on my desk. And uh, one morning early, I came in, and uh, I, I, just, I just picked up the card, and I was like, you know, I don't have time to do this. But it was like, I knew, it was like, I have to do this. I have to go to this luncheon. And I didn't know why I was going to the luncheon. I didn't know who uh, uh, Adam's Thermal was. I didn't know who Mike was. Um, I, I didn't really care at the moment, to be honest with you, who Mike was. He was a speaker at a luncheon that I didn't want to go to. And yet it was like God said, God just, you know how God just sometimes will drop something in your spirit, you know, and it was like, you need to do this. You need to listen. And so I told David, and, and I, I'm telling you my confession, like I don't want to go to luncheons and I don't like to, to do that kind of stuff. He's worse, okay? And so now I'm having to go to the guy who's worse than me and say, you're going to a luncheon with me, you know? And he's like, really? You know, and I'm like, yeah. And so we reluctantly go to a luncheon. Uh, long story short, we're sitting there listening to Mike share his heart, his vision, his ministry. And it's like God is just like popping us, you know. It's just like, this is it. This is it. This is it. Uh, and so we really felt like that God really asked us to go and listen to Mike. Uh, we felt like that God really spoke to our heart out of listening to Mike. And that this might be a God thing. And I think when you hear Mike, you're going to realize it is a God thing. But it might be a God thing in the sense that this could be a way for you and I to really like do something significant globally for the kingdom of God. 
and do it in such a way as we work with local people who are right here in Sioux Falls and that we have a wonderful accountability in building a relationship together and that as we do that, God is glorified in the end results of all of that. And that's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so without taking up a lot of other time here, I don't want to try to convince you today. I want the Holy Spirit to convince you of what can be done and open your eyes to the revelation of what can be done. But I think God can use Mike and his wife to help you to do that today. So I'm asking you to join me as we pray right now for them, and then we're going to invite them to come up. And then would you please let God speak to you through this family, through their foundation, and through the ministry that they're doing in Ethiopia uh, as they share that with you today. So would you join me right now and let's pray for this precious family uh, and ask God to really use them to touch our hearts and speak to us today. All right? Father, we do love you and we want only to do your will. We want only to obey you, Lord. As the song said, we want to trust you, we want to obey you. And so we ask you that you would do something supernatural today. As Mike and his wife speak to us, would you speak to us? Would you open our hearts and our spiritual eyes to see and to understand what might be possible if we join together for the work of the kingdom? Would you help us, Life Church, to be able to see more globally than we ever have, to desire more to reach lost people than we ever have, to be totally on mission at a greater level than we've ever been, and to do all of this in such a way that we are built up, but even more that you are glorified in it, Father. So we thank you for this family today, Lord, who's come to share their hearts with us. Would you bless them? Would you just anoint them and give them the very right and, and precious words to speak to us? Would you help them to be able to just share and, and, and challenge us uh, today, Lord, to, to, to get on board and serve you in, in greater ways. Would you bless them in everything they've set their hands to do? God, do all of this so that your kingdom is increased and established in the earth, that your name is glorified among people, and that we, your people, are transformed in the process. Do it in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Mike and his wife are going to come, and they're going to share with you. I'm going to let them introduce themselves and tell you everything that they need to tell you about what's going on in their world, okay? Thanks, guys. There you go. Now, you're ready. I didn't follow instructions very well, did I? <laughs> but we are so blessed to be here and uh, just excited to share a little bit what uh, God's doing in Ethiopia I want to introduce, so, so this is obviously, my name is Mike Adams and my wife Kim and our family's in the row there. And we've got one daughter in college that's not here. And then a couple uh, important leaders in our foundation too, Tad Anderson. Tad, if you want to stand a minute. And then Eric Weber. We call Eric Pastor Pineapple. If you know Eric already, you might know, not know his first name. So, so anyway, our, uh, like I said, just blessed to be here. Our story about Ethiopia really starts with adoption. So I'm going to pass it over to Kim, and she's going to share a little bit about that. Yes, thank you. It's very good to be here. Um, and I'm just happy that I have the privilege to talk about a little bit about our family and our adoption journey. Um, we have nine children, and four of our kids um, have been adopted. And with four adoptions, there's just a lot of stories. There's a lot of God stories 
uh, in the seven years that we adopted four kids. Um, and unfortunately, I don't have time for all that because I could be here all day talking about all the cool things and the God things that brought those kids into our families. But I will be as brief as I can um, to get our information across. I think the overall theme or the takeaway for today, uh, what has struck me most over the past few years is that often God has way bigger plans for us than we initially imagined. Um, You know, God can put us on a path or um, on some road that we think, okay, this is it, we're following God's will in this, but it was really just a stepping stone or a bridge into an even bigger plan or an additional task that he had for us. And, and that's kind of can be scary and hard, but um, it's, it, it's, it's neat to, to just um, be doing what the Lord, joining him in his work. Um, for us specifically, that was adoption. Um, you know, we um, were, felt God's calling us to adoption, um, but really he had another, an additional plan, unbeknownst to us at the time of our adoption, but he had a, even a um, bigger plan for us that Mike will talk more about that piece, but God was going to be really expanding our view of child care and the orphan and helping the most vulnerable in a big way. No, God, no doubt that God was calling us to adopt, um, but he was also helping us to help and support um, many other um, kids in Ethiopia as well. Um, but first, um, adoption. This is our family um, pre-adoption. We had five kids. Um, this picture was taken about 2003. And two years prior to this photo being taken, I had already um, had just a longing or a desire to add to our family through adoption. We had had a good friend, um, friends of us, going through an adoption. Um, and, you know, I just that was, that was neat to be part of that journey with them, kind of experiencing some of the things, hearing what the Lord was doing in their life. Um, and I still didn't really come away thinking, okay, we got to do this too. It wasn't that, but I think that was the first seed. And just over the next few months and years, that just really played out. Um, and um, it it was just such a strong desire, and Mike and I had talked about it. He was always open to adoption, but um, it was never the right time, or he just wasn't sure about some things, but always open to it, and he would always be open to hearing me talk about, okay, this is why I think we should do this, and I strategically tried to put pamphlets and articles laying around where he would see them, um, sometimes subtly and sometimes not so subtly, um, but he was always very you know, patient with, with me in talking about that. Um, we decided at that time to just go ahead and have another biological child. So we had our Josiah, who's the youngest up there. And I'm so glad that we did, and that he's a part of our family. Um, but I just remember even, you know, feeding Josiah, and I was on, at the same time researching adoption on the, on the computer, um, that longing just continued to grow and grow and grow. And, of course, everywhere I went or when I turned on the radio or turned on something on television, the topic of adoption was always coming up into my mind. Um, I was pretty confident that we would eventually adopt. I just knew if God has put such a longing in my heart and a desire for this, that he would see, see us through it. So it was really just a matter of praying for Mike to just give us the go-ahead and be on board. Um, obviously, it's something you, know, you both have to be on board with and, and be 100% in to take on something like this, too. 
Um, so about probably three years, three and a half years later, after my, my initial talking to him about it, he uh, called a family meeting in 2007, January 2007, um, and called a family meeting and said, okay, let's do this. I'm excited about it. There had been many God things leading up to this point, too, that I won't go into, but there was just an affirmation on his part, and I was already getting affirmed and affirmed, so I was just so thankful that God had brought us to this point at this time. And once he was in, he was 100% in. There's like no looking back, no doubt, and so we were in. So in um, January, uh, he gave the go-ahead, and I actually had some of the paperwork done already because I was waiting for him to say, okay, and so he just, I said, here, sign this. You just have to sign here and here, and then I mailed it, and that's literally how it went, Um, and, and so here we have, we were matched with this beautiful little girl, Eva. Um, She was three months old at the time. And uh, we spent a week in Ethiopia, actually brought two of our older kids, and that was just a joy, too. We just soaked up the culture, and everything was just so new and so exciting, and we just were so in awe of what God had been doing. Um, Eva was home for six months, and the agency that we had worked with said, you know, we, we knew at the time we were adopting Eva. When we were in country, we knew that we would be back again. It was just, you know, we you see the need when you're there, and you actually see more of these kids. Um, we just said, let's, you know, I think we need to do this again. Um, we had to wait six months when our child was home before we could actually start another adoption, so we did that. Um, so six months later, we started the adoption process for um, our second, and this is Selena. Um, and she came into our home when she was about 10 months old. Um, and again, some more of our kids had come with us to that, and it's just really good to see their hearts, their hearts for adoption. Our kids were always for adoption and always excited and, and eager to be a part of that as well. Um, since we had adopted twice now in Ethiopia, we really felt a, like, you know, we just wanted to help more and be a little more involved. So we got, um, we got involved with some organizations like Food for the Hungry, and our agency, our adoption agency, was also doing some work in Ethiopia. So we were just helping out and being kind of a, you know, helpful and contributing in those areas too, just because we were having this love, not only for kids, but for the country of um, Ethiopia as well. Um, Then in 2011, so Selena had been home for about a year and a half, we started our third adoption. Um, We were thinking about having, maybe adopting um, an older boy. We had two girls now, and with them it was kind of important for us to, to keep to birth order. Birth order meaning just having children coming in that weren't older than the current kids living in your home. Um, And we felt God calling us to maybe adopt a little older person. Um, And so this is Emmanuel. Um, He was five when he came into our family. Um, With him, we had to travel twice to Ethiopia just because some of the rules and regulations had changed. So we had to make two different trips, which poses some struggles and issues because, you know, we both have to go there, but then we also have a lot of little kids at home too. But God in his um, graciousness always works it out. Um, And one special thing about Emmanuel, just this past August, we as a family went back to Ethiopia and he was actually able to meet some of his birth family. And that was just really um, healing for him and just neat for all of us to, to be a part of that. I'm so glad that God worked out those details too. Um. About this time, now it's 2013, he was home for about a year, and then um, 
things were changing in Ethiopia as far as adoptions were concerning, concerned. They were um, not really recommending that you adopt from Ethiopia some of the things that were going on there. And I really thought we were done. I think we both thought we were done after Amani, but I don't know, it still kind of was always in the back of my mind. And um, so one day I did just go to the computer and type in waiting children in Africa. And, you know, I don't want to say I shouldn't have done that because we brought another beautiful girl home from that. But um, since doing that and then showing him, and he was actually more for it that time. And uh, even, so that, even though I started that one with um, this new adoption, potentially, I just had, I was going back and forth. I don't know. I feel pretty busy. We're pretty swamped, I, you know. Um, and this little girl happened to be in the country of Uganda. Um, Mike had two years prior just gone to... Uh, Uganda with Food for the Hungry and looked at some things there. So he thought that was kind of a neat connection. And maybe God was telling us to, to adopt this little girl. And, and, um, and we obviously moved forward with that. And in uh, a year later, we brought home Shakira. She's from Uganda. And she has been almost home now for four years. And she was um, our latest adoption. And I'm thinking our last, but I'm never saying no, because you just never really know what God is going to do. Um, and then Mike will talk more about what came up um, after this. But uh, I can go to the back anyway, yeah. Um, so this is our family right now. Our youngest is eight, and then our daughter Kinsley is 20. She's in college. Um, and this, this is our clan, and we love them dearly, and we are so thankful for each and every one of them. And certainly as a family, you know it's not without trials and hardships and, and struggles, um, but we are so thankful to God. Um, a lot of times people will say, when we're talking about adoption, we get many people that will say, oh, you guys are so great, and you're such a saint, and I, we could never do that, and um, you're so brave. Um, and I never quite know how to answer those types of comments. I, I can understand it to some extent, but really this is truly about um, God and what he is doing. We are no more special or qualified or equipped to parent than anybody else, and we just um, have had a heart for this and hopefully trying to lead and lead well where God is is leading us. Um, So I thought we were done with adoption, and I think we probably are, but then there was things that Mike will be talking about next, but this is the piece that I guess I didn't really foresee coming. Um, These are, um, this picture was taken in August when our family was in Ethiopia, and it's just a lot of kids from the schools that we now are running in Ethiopia. There are two schools, and I guess I see this as kind of God's bigger version of a family that he had planned for us. If I would have known this piece on the onset, I honestly don't think I would have adopted because that's too big, too huge. Um, Didn't want to do it just like Pastor Bill was saying, didn't want to go to the luncheon. Like, I just... You know, this other piece that Mike's going to talk about, I honestly wasn't really on board with it for quite some time. And, um, but through God's beautiful grace and um, his goodness, he has led me to a path of, um, and both of us really, but he's more optimistic and risk-taking anyway, so that was a no-brainer for him. But um, it, it's just cool to see how God is using that, and we just continue to trust that we are um, working in his will, and it really is not about us and what we are doing, but ultimately just joining God in the work that he is doing. Thanks, hon. So, I, you know, I think one of the stories I'll tell you a little later is how 
God really brought our hearts together, some of uh, my passions and Kim's passions together, and, and like Kim said, adoption was a big part of it, and she was definitely in the pole position there in the lead, um, and I came along. And for me, it was just a matter of timing. You know, just like we, okay, Lord, I need to really feel that from you, God, that this is what we're supposed to do. And I trusted Kim, but I still had to feel it for myself, and maybe some of you understand that. I still want God telling me this is uh, for us, and definitely the Lord did. And, of course, Kim was praying a lot. I think that had a lot to do with it, but no. So it was, it was great. So I want to uh, just play a little video for you, and then we'll start to talk about uh, Ethiopia a little bit more. So this, uh, this video takes us back to the summer of 2013. As Kim was mentioning, we had been in the process of adoption. And early on, uh, when we started with Eva, our first adoption, we started uh, getting involved in the country as well. We fell in love with Ethiopia, started getting involved with a number of 
ministries down there, and uh, and and one of the two, well, one of the ministries was actually the adoption agency that we had adopted from them. They were secular organization in the states, but they were very Christ-centered down on the ground in Ethiopia. And so there were two schools that we hadn't gotten involved in, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that as we go uh, further along. But I had received a call, so we were, we had adopted Shakira. We had been involved in many projects then over those years. Eva was 2008. In 2013, we get a call from Children's Home Society, and they said, look, Mike, we're going to have to close uh, these two schools in Hosanna and Toro. 800 kids, these are the poorest of the poor, and they would not be getting an education uh, if these schools closed. It was really fundamental to that those communities' existence. And we had 90 days to, to decide what we were going to do. And so, you know, initially I thought, and, and Kim and I were praying about this, we thought, well, certainly it's for someone else. We're just a conduit, you know. Um, what do I, you know, we were in a supporting role, but that's a lot different than taking it over, right? We were supporting and cheerleading, but now we need to take over the organization. And in July 1, they were going to leave, and so the financial obligation as well as the complete responsibility for running the organization had to fall to someone. And they had, they had planned on, on closing it, and it seemed like an impossible task, right? I mean, uh, my background's engineering. I'm not a teacher, you know, and, and we have, we're in manufacturing. What do we know about, you know, teaching kids? We've been enjoying the role of supporting, but uh, how do we move forward with that? So after uh, checking with a lot of different organizations down there that we knew, having worked down there, really God was closing all those doors. And we just heard God's soft voice saying, be faithful, take this step, and I will bring others alongside. And we would say, Lord, this is, you know, this is, this is not the right time. We're not equipped for this. We, this obligation is too big, both from a leadership standpoint and from a financial standpoint. And, uh, but that was the message that God clearly gave us, and um, so, we, so we moved forward. Um, I remember, you know, some of the video, if you caught some of that, there's all kinds of God sightings in there, but one of the neat things, too, is, you know, they just had two civil helicopters in the whole country. It was the rainy season. We had to get there because Atoro and Hosanna, Atoro, this school is very rural, very beautiful. You can see the pictures in the green, but in the rainy season, you just can't get there. The roads are washed out. And, and we felt like we really needed to go and go a little deeper than we had if we we're going to be taking over in a few months the operations. And so um, I remember thinking to myself as I told Kim and the kids goodbye, I wonder who's going to be flying this helicopter. You know, what's going to happen, Lord? <laughs> and uh, we ended up actually, we were on that ridge because fog came in and we had to land on this ridge on the top of a mountain overlooking a Toro and all these folks came up. Um, but God provided all along from the missionary pilot that flew the helicopter, and there's just all kinds of stories there that we don't have time to talk about, but it was just God over and over, and I needed that. God over and over saying, I'm in this. You're not in control, Mike, and, and, and be thankful for that. I'm in this, and, and, and I'm moving this forward. So with that, I want to tell you just real briefly about uh, Adam's Thermal. Because that was another, uh, we talk about a school closing, right? And we're going to share about the schools. But that was another closing. Fifteen years ago, my first experience was something large closing. Um, so I went to school to be an engineer, and I was working at the plant. Uh, and I had, uh, Bear was an international company, and so I traveled the world a little bit. Um, 
and Bear, the, the company I was working for, was going to close the plant. And the, the neat thing, again, about that is I had no ability whatsoever to step into the role of purchasing this factory. There was a plant in Canton, and then there was a plant in Iowa, and there was no way for me to do that. So, again, we prayed about it, and I tried to find someone else to buy the company, to buy the location. So it sounds kind of similar to what happened in the schools much later. And God just kept saying, no, this is yours. you got to step forward. And so um, there was neat God stories along the way there. But one of the big ones is I went to banks, and, you know, you go to a bank and you, you try to get a loan. Well, if you really need a loan and you don't have assets for that, you realize really quick how that works, right? You're not getting a loan, young man, you know. Where's your rich uncle? Or bring somebody that, you know, can actually back this up. And uh, so we didn't have much time. The plant was going to close. And God worked in a miraculous way, and we actually got a loan. We got a banker to believe in us. And, and, and I think that was important for me because God was saying, yep, you can't do this alone. You can't even try to do this alone. You're not even close to getting this done, but I'm going to make this happen. And so from the very beginning, we really felt like um, we, we wanted to give a first fruits tithe out of the sales to the Lord's work. And so we take our sales every year, and we just take a percentage of those and set those aside for missions. And what has been interesting over the last 15 years of doing that is I'm so thankful that we did and that we do that because it, we have a, a budget. Allows, it has blessed us in so many ways in giving to the Lord's work in, in, in different areas. We try to do things locally, nationally, talking about the international peace today. But if we hadn't done that, you know, we've gone through some, some tough times. Um, we probably wouldn't have give, been able to give. And so there's been years, many years we've, you know, maybe lost, we've lost money, but we've continued to give, and the Lord's been faithful in that. So I don't want to talk too much about the company, but I just want to say that that's been a, a great economic engine that, that the Lord's provided um, you know, for this work. So as Kim uh, mentioned, you know, we started doing projects in, in Ethiopia. And uh, you know, we're doing things locally, nationally, but we're doing some things in Ethiopia because we're over there on, a, on adoption. And you know, our story, you know, Kim shared the story of how God drew us to Ethiopia through adoption. And I like to take that for myself, and, and Kim has a story too, but for myself, one step further back, as a boy in the 80s, I would see the, the, the stories of famines in Ethiopia. And there were several cycles of this, right? Some of you probably remember that. You go on TV and you see these starving kids from Ethiopia. And God was working on my heart. I remember as a young kid, I, I was a sensitive kid, I would cry. I'd see those things and cry and say, Lord, I want to do something about that someday. You know, and I thought maybe I'd be a farmer or something like that. But it really struck my heart. And you can see that Kim's heart was moved for the plight of the orphan. And both of our hearts, God had just had a wonderful way of weaving those passions together uh, in Ethiopia. And as Kim said, we wouldn't sometimes take the next step if we knew the big picture. But God has a way, doesn't he, of preparing us for his next assignment. And I really feel like that's been something that's a theme that we've recognized, you know, we are, are extremely imperfect, extremely unfaithful, and yet God continues to take us step by step, and we're so grateful for that. So a little bit of the history of the foundation then. Uh, I mentioned the adoption agency we are working with was Children's Home Society in St. Paul, and we were just having a great time 
uh, going alongside and supporting them and getting involved with, uh, we got to know the staff in Ethiopia really well. Now, this is before the call I got in 2013. And so in 2013, um, when the school called and said we're going to close, and, that, and then we went and did some more due diligence, it was not a good time. And, and that was another piece of the story. So if any of you were in agriculture, you know, 2013, corn prices were starting to do, you know, they were really high, and then they started coming down really rapidly. So they were, you know, $7, and then they dropped to $4 the next year, and they dropped to $2.80 the next year. And so in our business, we make cooling systems for a lot of ag tractors, combines, those kind of things. So we saw our sales plummet. We start, and when sales plummet that much in a factory, guess what happens? You start losing lots of money, you know, and that, and that was what was happening. And the Lord's faithful, but nonetheless, that was a pretty big impact. And at that same time, God's saying, hey, I think you need to move forward with this obligation and taking over these schools. And so that's kind of how crazy this is, you know, is that there's no way that we're able to do that. Um, but God's voice is pretty clear. And so during that time, our sales continued to go down because of that, so our company sales dropped 50% in 2014, another 50% in 2015, and bottomed out in 2016 at about a third of the sales that we had before. So we were pretty tied to the ag market. And, and, and yet we were responsible for this foundation. But we remembered God's voice in, 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 among that stress and saying, I will bring others alongside. I think God was really calling us to faithful obedience, and he was about to demonstrate his power. Uh, through that. One of the ways he demonstrated it was we had to get a 501c3 very quickly so we could bring others alongside. And you might remember in that time frame, a Christian organization trying to get a 501c3 during that time might not, might be slowed down a little bit. And God, and I remember our attorneys uh, in Sioux Fall said, hey, Mike, you know, I know you have this time frame. I know you got to move in Ethiopia. May not happen, you know, but we said, oh, no, I think it is. I think it's going to happen. God wants it to happen. And just in a few months later, our 501c3 was done, which was probably a third of the time it should have taken. And so God, God was continuing to be in it. I want to just share with you a couple real quick things. Our mission statement uh, says, we strive to alleviate the suffering of the most vulnerable. Now I'm talking about the foundation. So we created a 501c3. We created, uh, and I'll show you in a minute, an organization in Ethiopia to take over the schools and take over the work Confronting all forms of human poverty in our community, our nation, our world. And when we say all forms of human poverty, in Ethiopia you're thinking about, and rightfully so, physical poverty. But we also think about, think about in our schools here and, and maybe in the U.S. among even you know, raising kids and so on. Uh, ourselves, there might be emotional poverty. There might be spiritual poverty. Those are the things that we're really focused on in the most vulnerable. And our, our values there, Christ-centered, holistic, gracious, with excellence and stewardship. This is a little bit of our organization. And we've just, so we've got a 501c3 in Canton, and then we've got an organization in Ethiopia. We've got, a, we've got an office in the capital, and then we've got the two schools in Hosanna and Otoro are the two schools. And, a little, and that's really what we're here to talk about. That's the important piece of that is here's a snapshot of what's going on in Ethiopia. So we've got that office in the capital. So we've got our country director, head of HR, and people like that that are really influential in helping guide the overall direction of these schools. And then in Hosanna, we have uh, grades uh, kindergarten through 11. And I'm going to share with you, but praise God, we just built a high school. 
And so we've got 574 kids there. And Toro is a more rural school where we had the helicopter video, and that is a little over 500 kids. So in total, we bought about 1,100 kids. And that has been such a blessing. Uh, one of the things outside of the schools that we do, you know, poverty it, it can really be cyclical and it can be a tough thing to, to break, and in, in, in in particularly when you look at where we are operating in Ethiopia. And so we have an accelerated learning program outside of our schools as well, and we take 1,500 kids through three grades in one year. So it's not involved in our schools. We go into the into a large, kind of a large area around our schools. We go in a different area every year. And we find those kids aren't in school, and, and there's a lot of them. But we take 1,500 a year up through three grades and then get them into school. Whatever school that is near them, we, we get them into school. And at that time, we're also able to, you know, teach them about Jesus and teach them about the Word. Um, we also have self-help groups. You might wonder what that is. We have 500 mothers of our kids in these self-help groups. And that's really important because one of the reasons for that is if we go to a family and say, hey, I noticed your child isn't in school, and these are the poorest of the poor. Why, aren't, why isn't that child in school? Well, that child needs to collect sticks, collect water, do some very menial tasks, or that family doesn't make it. And so it's that close to the edge and a and, uh, very difficult situation. But if we go to that mom, you know, and we say, we're going to bring you into a self-help group. We're going to teach you skills that will allow you to earn income for your family. Will you, bring your, will you let your child attend our school? Well, absolutely, I will. What's interesting, too, with that is the women's, the mom's place, the woman's place in the family gets elevated because she is bringing in income, and her husband is going, you know what? I think I'm going to make, you can make a few more decisions around here because he's, he's, he's not opposed to this. They're starving, right? They're close to starving or starving. So it brings her level of status in the family up, and uh, those moms never abuse that. You know, they just spend it on their families. If they have income, it goes to the family, just like mothers here. And, um, and so that's just such a blessing. Those, those women get together in groups, and they, and they uh, do these trades and make a number of things that they can sell. We also support, we have nurses at our schools, we deal with HIV and we support that, and we also deal on the ag side with uh, gardens and food production. So the school kind of becomes a, a center of the community. This is a picture of our school, and I'll, I'll go through this pretty quickly, but our school in Hosanna. And praise God, this is a high school that we just built, um, and that's a God story I want to share. And, you know, one of the things about Ethiopia is if we can get our kids well-educated through high school, they go to college for free in the university. And so we got the poorest of the poor. And by the way, our schools do the best of any school around. They do standardized tests just like we do, and they're the top. These are the poorest of the poor kids that wouldn't be going to school. And because of Jesus and, those, and, the, and you know, the impact of the staff and the teachers from a Christ-centered viewpoint, they do the, the best. And so they're, they're going, on to, going on if they make it through to high school. So high school is really important. This is a picture of a Toro, the more rural school. Sometimes we have a hard time getting in there in the rainy season, the one we flew the helicopter into. This is a typical, maybe a typical family. Just to take a picture of them. In this case, we have three kids from this family going to our schools. Um, we have criteria for, for families that go, and they, they are the, 
the most needy. You can see kind of a, a hut behind them, and typically you might, you know, the family lives together in the hut, and they may have some animals that also they bring in at night and, and live in the hut with them. And dad is doing some subsistence farming, just trying to eke out a living, not really making enough food for the family to eat. That's, that's kind of the situation. In the self-help groups, um, this is uh, a group of women that are learning how to make scarves. This is a very popular scarf in Ethiopia, kind of the colors. They wear them a lot, and there's a lot of dust, you know, and dirt roads and so on, so they, the scarves are really popular, and so learning how to do that. I wanted to show you another quick video. So this is a tour of the more rural school, and you get to see some of the kids. These kids are the poorest, but as you might have experienced, if you've done this kind of work before, the happiest, the most joy-filled. They're just praising God. You know, this is just one of the welcoming. We brought some folks there. Praising Jesus. So that, you know, when you see those kids, and when we go there, every time I'm struck with the fact that, you know, Scripture is jumping out from the pages of the Bible as we think about the passages, think about how much God cares for the poor. And when we go there, we see it. We see not only the joy of the kids, but we see their love for the Lord, and it just transforms us every time. God is working among the poor, loves them so much. And so I want to tell you a little bit about our uh, staff quickly. We've got our staff are are Christians. They have a heart for these kids and for the poor, and it shows. Um, The the, the staff is bought in. They provide, one of the things that we do for our staff is we provide continuing education, so we're putting them through like the teachers' master's programs and continuing to educate them. Uh, The four pictures there are just some of our staff in Otis, our vision for Ethiopia, which we think God has, has really led, uh, and, and, and we've just looked at it step by step and haven't seen the whole picture, is a platform for the gospel. And we're so excited to see the poorest of the poor receiving the best education. We really feel like these are going to be future game changers in their communities. Children are being nurtured holistically, um, and dropout rate is falling. We've got that accelerated learning program to, to knock down the dropout rate. And students' families are becoming more self-sufficient because of the, uh, the things that they're learning and the families are able to earn income. 
the schools are acting as community centers. And 100%, one of the important things to us, too, is 100% of uh, donations go to Ethiopia. And so the way we do that, you know, God has, Adam's Thermal Foundation is kind of a funny name, right? You, it doesn't sound very much like a ministry, but one of the advantages of having a company bolted to a foundation is we can take that tithe from the sales and we pay for all the overhead in the U.S. and also the overhead in Addis, or in, in Ethiopia. So anybody in, in the capital that we have, which is important, it's program, but we pay for that from our, as a company. That means your dollars, if you sponsor a child, they're going right to the schools and right to the support of those families. And so we can say 100% of the funds then go to the program, which we're excited about that stewardship. Some of the God sightings along the way then, uh, you know, God called us, as, as Kim mentioned, from, and we saw adoption. And then with the company, uh, we saw uh, just, you know, doing the tithe and stewardship. But God's called us from writing the checks, which is really important, to taking action. But he promised to bring others alongside. And us being here is a, is a huge example of that. Because, um, as, you know, as Pastor Bill shared, you know, I didn't make a phone call to you guys. And that's how it's been. It really is how it's been. That's been an amazing part of this. God probably knows I'm not very equipped to do that. So thank you, Lord. But people have just been knocking on our door and giving me a call. I'm like, okay. Thanks, Lord. You certainly, that's, that's faithfulness. Um, even in, our, in the declining markets, you know, so I talked about our business and how the, the timing was awful and, and, and sales were going down. We had no ability to do this. That's when God showed up. That's when God showed up. When we couldn't do it, when we were broken, God showed up. So after that season of silence, and, you know, and one of the things that amazed us, too, is we saw, you know, we have a note on here that more than a million dollars poured in for capital projects. We built that high school. We did a lot of things. There's a lot of need. I know that sounds like a really big number, and it is. And we put that up there just to show God's faithfulness. Um, and so God took care of so many things that we needed to, to take care of. But we found out, too, though, it wasn't, you know, we, found, we met with the elders many times and the folks in the different communities. But one of the things that really struck us is, as we're taking over the schools and as we're building the high school, that the elders in the community would say, Mike, we know we were praying for this for 30 years. We're thankful that you're here. We knew you were coming. And you pretty much realize it was never about us anyway, but it certainly isn't, right? You know, they were praying, and we were thinking our prayers were pretty powerful, you know. Actually, we're not thinking that. But, but you think, well, thanks, Lord, for answering our prayers, right? He answered. Yes, he answered our prayers, but he was answering their prayers. Even when the school was changing hands, they were prostrate on the ground praying. And, and uh, they, that's been a real uh, faith builder for me and teaching for me of prayer and, and, uh, and how they, do, how they have, do prayer. And so and it's just a picture of some of the, uh, the school and, and the food program. One, the lower right picture is the first time we turned water on in a Toro. A Toro did not have water. And, and, you guys talked about water earlier. You can imagine a school without water. How does that work, right? Sanitation. They didn't have a food program, but still, it's, it's, off. it's not good. And so God's been so faithful with that. I want to talk a little, just real briefly then. I'm going to go back now and talk about child sponsorship because that's one of the opportunities to, to connect with us, and, and projects is absolutely another. So I want to tell you about our family's uh, child's first child sponsorship experience. And 
I believe this was in 2009, we had gone to visit this little girl. Her name is Rahima. She's sitting there with in her face in her hands. And we went with, uh, I think, Kinsley and Justice, her oldest two, uh, and, and we were sponsoring her, you know, sponsoring. It wasn't anything to do with the schools. Just, you know, we're working with Food for the Hungry and sponsoring. We still sponsor her today. And we go there, and her mom is laying there. You see her mom laying there, and things weren't good, and you could tell when you walked in. And uh, the mom was sick, and we asked the social worker there. I said, what, what's wrong? And they said, yeah, it's nice you're sponsoring the girl. She's, she's going to school. She's going to lose her mom. By the way, she already lost her dad, and she doesn't have anybody else. And, and so we're sitting there with our kids going, whoa, this is like a shock for us, right? This is, we're still pretty new at this. And, uh, and really what they were saying is, well, there's so much of this. I mean, yeah, you're pointing out this one little girl. but um, So we asked the question. We said, well, is there anything we can do? No. No, there's not much you can do. Well, how about we can get her to a hospital? Sure. Well, yeah, we could do that. So for less than $20, I think it was less than $15, she went from being in a position of dying to getting better. She had HIV, and they want to say that, and, and maybe she didn't know it, I don't know, but uh, she was able to go to the hospital, and then, you know, our government was providing, it had, I think, the, the drugs for free for HIV, so she was able to get those drugs for free, and she, we, we've seen her many, many times since then, and she's healthy and managing that illness. And that was, I guess, our, our moment of saying, you know what, Lord, okay, this small step of child sponsorship just made a huge difference in the life of this little girl. And we just learned something. We just learned something um, that we didn't know that we could do from so far away. This is a little later picture. Rahima's in the blue there. Uh, my daughter Kinsley has her arm on her. They write back and forth. And so um, child sponsorship that's how we kind of as a family um, learn child sponsorship and, and what the impact it can have. I want to share just, you know, on one of my uh, plane rides to Ethiopia, I was reading this book, Chase the Lion by Mark Batterson, and I don't know if some of you guys may have read his books, but it, it, it's, a, it's a neat book, and I needed that. On, uh, we were heading over and continuing to work, and it takes a verse out of Second Samuel and wanna, talks about David's mighty men, and one of the men had gone down in a pit and killed a lion. And, and this book expands on that. But I want to read you the Lion Chasers Manifesto. And we kind of made this a theme for our program in Ethiopia this year. And, and, and I just want to read that to you. It was meaningful to me. I hope it's meaningful for you. It says, quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. Run to the roar. Set God-sized goals, pursue God-sized, God-given passions. Go after a dream that is destined to fail without divine intervention. Destined to fail without divine intervention. Stop pointing out our problems, become part of the solution. Stop repeating the past, start creating the future. Face your fears, fight for your dreams. Grab opportunity by the mane and don't let go. Live like today is the first and last day of your life. Bin, burn sinful bridges, blaze new trails. Live for the applause of nail-scarred hands. Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. I like that one. <laughs> Don't let what's wrong with you 
keep you from worshiping what's right with God. Dare to fail, dare to be different. Quit holding out, quit holding back, quit running away, chase the lion. That was an inspirational book, and maybe if you pick it up and read it, but what it told me is we have to be bold and continue to live out our faith. God's, God's obviously has the ability to, if, if we're following in his will, um, he's going to stretch us. It's a faith journey. So we believe that child sponsorship might be a way, if you feel the Holy Spirit talking to you in that way, that uh, to engage. We really feel, see that as the gospel, really in action, as we sponsor kids. In our schools, you know that we're very, uh, we, we hire all the staff, we're very engaged. So we have folks going down to Ethiopia, and I'll just show you some pictures of some local folks, maybe you recognize the faces, but going down to Ethiopia and seeing their sponsored kids. And um, it, it's transformational for a child. Even if you don't make the visit, that child is being written to and somebody loves them here in the U.S. In many cases, those kids are orphaned. They might not have a mom or a dad anymore. And so we find the kids there, all our kids are doing really well in school, but the ones that are sponsored have an extra, you know, uh, extra energy in their step because of that. And so um, we're able to pretty, stay pretty intimate with, uh, you know, the kids and the community and what's happening. Um, we also are looking for uh, churches, you guys, to do projects with, as Pastor Bill mentioned. We have a medical team. We've got an ag team. We're just starting this the ag team. Um, we've got a, a church that's focused, or a, a project that's focused on the schools. Uh, we're trying to build these teams, and um, we also have a spiritual team focused on the churches around the area, trying to connect to those churches. So lots of different ways to uh, connect. We will. You guys probably saw it when you came in. We've got a, a booth set up near the entryway there, and if you're interested in child sponsorship. It is, it's $34 a month, so a little over a dollar a day to transform a child's life. You get to write back and forth. I'll send you, you can send pictures back and forth and get to know that child. Um, and so we want to just, if the Lord's placing that on your heart today, we'd love to see, uh, we'd love to talk to you more. And if any questions on adoption, Kim will be out there too and, and I afterwards. And more than anything, we just want to say thank you for letting us be here today and, and to share what God a place in our hearts. Thanks so much. Amen. Two things as we close today. One is that it's, it's really a great opportunity when you just find yourself in a divine sort of uh, connection and you start to realize that there are people right around you who are doing really uh, significant things for God and that you can join that, you can be a part of that. And in Life Church, even when we have done things overseas or we, we've even taken sh short-term missions trips, those kinds of things, all of those are very intentional, but they're also relationship-based. We always work out of relationship first. We don't just you know, get on the internet and find a, a place that does short-term missions and just grab a couple of kids and take them over and say, okay, well, we did that, now let's move on, and that's, like, ticked off our list. We actually have long-term relationships with people, and we build those, and that's very important to us in Life Church, the relational component to things. 
um, being able to have Mike and his family um, and some of their other uh, ministry workers here locally and have them to just come in and just, just share their hearts with us. Uh, that's very precious that we're able to do that and that we can actually build relationship and have accountability in that relationship uh, and know right here what, what is going on. Um, and Mike didn't tell you this, but if you give your $34 uh, to sponsor a child each month, all of that 30, correct me if I'm wrong, okay, because I've only sat with you once before today, uh, but only all of that money goes directly to the support of that particular child. Uh, Adam's Thermal actually underwrites all of the operational costs and expenses for you to be able to support these children. Um, and if you go over, they'll provide some food and, and some basic lodging for you over there and take care of you and all of that. Uh, all you got to do is get over there, all right? So, so they will, will work graciously with you, and I love that part of how accommodating they are to all of that. So that's all a, be a beautiful thing, all right? So uh, you have opportunity to, to not only reach out to them and support them in prayer and financially, but actually to, to roll your sleeves up and actually go to work with them uh, doing things as well. Uh, second thing today that I wanted to say to you, there are some ways that we are radical and we step out and we do some really risky things for God. And that is so awesome when we do that. Because like, I'm, I'm a little bit like Mike. I like to be on the risky side of things. I like taking the risk. I like stepping out. I don't need to see all the things in, in place before I do that, but I just need to see enough. And enough's enough. And then I can, I can run with it, okay? Um, but we are, we are an American church. We're an American congregation. That means we play it safe most of the time. You know, we, we just do. And we even do that with the gospel, you know? We're, we have a safe gospel. We come in here, we sit down, we listen to the preaching, um, we, we enjoy the worship, and at the end of our services, we have a time of, of, of the gospel. And oftentimes, it's very safe, isn't it, really, if, if we're going to be truly honest, you know? We talk about that, that we are sinful, and that God has loved us, and that he sent his son to die for those sins, and that God has done as a, as a loving father in adopting us. He's done what we could not do for ourselves. And he's bridged that place of separation. Job said, I'm just a man. I'm low and I'm on the earth. And God is high and he's up there and he's lifted up. And I need a bondsman. I need, I need someone between me and God who will, will bring me to God. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. He made the way for us to come boldly to the throne of grace, to God the Father, to cry Abba, to be able to be loved and accepted as sons and daughters of God again. And that's a beautiful message, but we say it in here. And there's a bit of a safeness about that. But what we're asking you to do is say it out there. We're asking you to say it with your resources, but we're also asking you to say it with your lives, in essence. And some of you will never go, but you will send but others of you will be sent. And that's been our prayer, even as we pray for people groups, is, God, would you send people? And we're not asking you to go find them somewhere else and send them. We're saying, would you send somebody from right here? Would you do what you are doing in sending people around the world? Would you do it from right out of Life Church? And that's an important piece of who we are and our, our DNA. And so we're bringing Mike and his family in here to talk to you so that you can hear God talk to you about going out there.
And that's what this really is all about. And so I hope that a lot of you will sponsor children. I hope you'll go out there and you'll find a child. There's some beautiful photos of these children. It tells their age. And don't let their age throw you off. A lot of these kids, young people, don't get to start their education when our kids get to start their education because they've been working and, and really uh, not being able to have any kind of opportunity in their early, early formative years. And so education for some of them that, y that your kids would start in kindergarten or first grade won't start for these kids until years later. Um, and, and so don't look at age and go, what is this? Just, just understand that these are young people and children that you can support uh, and make a difference. And really, that is the gospel. What we do here is the gospel, but what is done there is so much the gospel. And isn't the gospel really God taking care of the widow and the orphan and all of those things? And so let's extend this gospel that we share freely and lovingly and openly and, and richly here in our safe little church. Can we start to share that gospel out there and do as much there as we do in here, or maybe more. And so thank you for coming. Thank you for sharing with us. We so appreciate what God is doing through your lives as a family right here in the Sioux Falls area. And thank you for being willing to come and let us uh, see how we can partner with you and be a part of that. And, and, and that's my prayer is that we will actually do that. Uh, so we're going to close here this morning. I'm going to pray um, the, the, the Adams Thermal family, okay? Uh, they're going to be out there waiting for you as, as you walk out. Our prayer team is going to be coming up here. If you need prayer today, we want you to get prayer and, and be prayed over. If you don't know this Jesus, if all this stuff is so new to you and, and, and you're like, wow, I didn't even know I needed this, uh, today is the day for you. You can know this same Jesus in the same way we're advocating that these children can know this Jesus, that same love of the Father is here for you today, and you can receive Christ. And our team would love to pray for you. If you've got needs in your life, if you're struggling today as a Christian, our team will pray for you uh, as well. So we're going to pray. The prayer team is all going to come up to the front. Uh, afterwards, you can sit and, and pray and seek God about what you need to do, or you can head on out and see what's out there at the informational table. Uh, please greet our friends today um, and, uh, and encourage them. All right? Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. We're so grateful, and we thank you for all that you have done. Would you continue to do your good work among us? We pray, Father, for your will to be done in Life Church, that you would open our hearts to the greater needs that are before us, and that you would bless us to be a blessing to others, Lord. Would you use us, our resources, our gifts, our abilities, so that we might be able to come along beside others and do the work of your kingdom around the world? God, we pray for Adam's Thermal Foundation, all the work that they're doing. We, we pray for Adam's Thermal as a business to be blessed with the resources so they can continue to do the things that they are doing. We pray, God, that you would bless Life Church to join in that. We thank you, Father, for your goodness and your blessings today. In Jesus' name, go with us. Amen.